Hello world, I am Calypso. Hello world, I am Calypso. Hello world, I am Calypso. I recently read The Will to Change Men, Masculinity, and Love by Bell Hooks. I'm going to be honest, I hated this book from the beginning. I started to love the book at the end. I'm just going to be honest with that because I was not loving this book at the beginning. But... Um, there were some really valid points that were brought up and I think even like, I kind of went in with, to, to be honest, I went into this book like with a certain perspective about what was going to be said in this book. And I also think the beginning part of this book really didn't help. Um, but to be fair, this book was written in 2004. The reason I read this book was because my cousin's friend was like, oh, I want you to read this book so we can like talk about it or whatever. And I was just like, sure, because I'm on this whole kick. I'm going to read a book a month. Um, so by the end of this year, I should have read 12 books. Um, I'm a, I am on schedule to read 12 books, so that's super awesome. But um, this book, since I did, if you follow my sporadic podcast, um, I did end up getting a new job and I thought this was actually a really good book to read given my new, uh, semi-profession or whatever, what I'm doing right now. Um, and I think it's just also really pivotal in the sense of like, What's going on in the world today? Um, because there's so much that uh, gets talked about in terms of just like, um, it's primarily focuses on, in the beginning, I guess I will say, I, I felt like, oh, it's really like dogging out men. Um, but in the end, it really is about like women which I don't know if that's really good if the whole point of this book is to talk about the ways in which men need to change, but it's more so about the ways in which women need to give space for men's change um, and kind of about how uh, our society um, creates the culture that I think uh, our our societal consciousness tells us that we should hate. So there's all these things that, you know, we like, oh, this is toxic masculinity, why are men this way, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think this book still does a very good job of addressing it. I think some of the changes that this book calls for or wants to see are things that have, in my opinion, already occurred in certain aspects. Um, just because, you know, it's 2022, a lot has happened since 2004 when this book was written. And this book was written by a woman who uh, was born in the 50s. So there's a lot of like uh, changes, a lot of cultural changes, a lot of things that are more acceptable than they were at the time when this book was written. I mean, 
Um, there's like a very, and, and, it, and it even shows at the time, like there's a very, very small section in this book about homosexuality um, and stuff like that. Whereas now today, like when this book was written, it wasn't even um, okay for homosexuals to get married, but now it is. So yay to change. Um, and that's the other issue that I had with this book at the beginning of this book. I would say probably the first... I'm going to say like the first six chapters I really didn't enjoy, um, but I made them through. There were a few chapters in there that I really, really enjoyed, but I would say it really doesn't start getting good until like chapter eight when we're really chapter eight, chapter seven, when it really starts getting towards the end of the book, because it really starts talking about um, the changes and what those changes should look like. So I just wanted to hop on because I have been MIA for so long and talk about um, some of the things that I wanted to share about this book. And they're kind of just things that I thought were um, I don't know, that I thought were interesting. I don't think I'm going to make it through the whole entire book because it's super late. Um, but I have been wanting to do this. And also I've been, we've been talking a lot about like self-care at my job. And honestly, like I really enjoy doing like the, my little podcast and stuff like that at my own leisure to be real. But um, so yeah, that's what I'm going to talk about. Uh, the Wills of Change uh, men, masculinity, and love. Part of this will be me reading specific excerpts from the book and then some of the questions that arose for me um, and kind of just expanding on those things. All right. So um, I did actually read the preface. That's how much of a stickler I am. Don't judge me. Um but one of the first things that I highlighted was militant feminism gave women permission to unleash their rage and hatred at men, but it did not allow us to talk about what it meant to love men in patriarchal culture, to know how to how we could express the love without fear of exploitation and oppression. And I think for me, I was just like, oh, like militant feminism, very like to me, I, I guess like that man hating feminism. I'm just like, oh, this is already when I was starting to read this, I was like, oh, this is going to be uh, a journey. Um, I think the whole but I think looking back on it now that there were all these like breadcrumbs that lead to the end that I just wasn't seeing because I went in with a very I don't know skeptical perspective I'm gonna call it a, I'm gonna call it a skeptical a skeptical perspective because I don't know what else to call it um about because it is like a sociology like feminism patriarchy sort of book um, written years ago. So I definitely came in with that energy. But in terms of this quote, um, the end part is really what struck me that 
that militant feminism gave permission to unleash the rage and hatred at men, but it didn't allow a, allow us to talk about what it meant to love men in a patriarchal culture. Um, and this is just like, and in this book, she, she talks about it. It's like, it's not just about like loving the partner that you're with. Like, this is about like loving everything, you know, like it's, it's not about like, oh, this is my partner. It's about loving your brother. It's about loving your father. It's about, uh, loving all of the men in your life because regardless of whether or not you are in a committed heterosexual relationship, homosexual relationship, regardless of whether or not you're even with a man, there are men in your life and you love them. But what does it mean to love them in the society that we're living in today? A society that I think since this book has changed, but is still trying to change drastically in certain aspects. Um, and to end the, that part about loving like how do how can we express that love without fear of exploitation and oppression and, and and that is a very big part for me it's like there's a so much fear around loving men and in our culture today just in dating the fear of what if i give myself over to this person like this fear of commitment this because a lot of people are growing up in a lot of people. <laughs> a lot of us are growing up in divorced homes. So that fear of giving yourself over completely to another person and trusting them and being like, I love this person, I'm going to be vulnerable without the fear of this is going to put me in a state that I don't necessarily like, it's going to be very uncomfortable. And I don't know. As somebody who's been in a relationship for a really long time, I think there are pros and cons to being in a relationship, but um, there is a lot of fear going into and being committed. But uh, I think when you're talking about like men, it's like there's that fear of violence that is so, so real that in the job that I do now, I see it more. And that fear that that your love is going to be exploited, misinterpre misinterpreted and misused. Um, uh, I think that it's, I think that part of that is love, but all, part of that is also trust because when you love somebody, you trust them and, and you're giving your, your whole self over to them. Um, one of the questions that came to me is like, what is a feminist? I think that that, I think the word feminist has evolved so much. I think that the concept of what it means to be a feminist has changed so much. The word gets misused so much um, that we've even gotten away from like what it meant to like, it, it's become an, an abstraction, something that gets used, something that is misused and uh, has more now, and and this is why I don't like, you know, like trigger words or, or things like that, because it's like some of those words are so far removed from what their actual meaning meaning is. It's like we've gone away from denotation to connotation. It's all about how you feel about the word, but not necessarily what it means. So um, for me, like 
when I read things, I'm always just like, what does this word mean? And even in conversations, I think it's important to sometimes stop and be like, what does this word mean to you? Because maybe uh, the conversation we're having isn't going to lead to an argument if I know what it is that you're saying when you're using this word. Because what I'm saying when I'm using this word and what you're saying when you use this word, yeah, maybe we're both somewhat on the on the denotative uh, spectrum, but more often than not, when things escalate in a conversation, it's because we're on a connotation perspective of like how that word, that a visceral reaction to the word. Um, and then moving on, the next ex- excerpt that I thought was really interesting, this is still in the preface. Um, women cannot fully talk about men because we have been so well socialized, traditional, very white from a right white point of view. But um, this is like me. I've read the whole book. So I feel kind of differently about um, this statement now. Um, I I don't necessarily, I agree in the sense that we don't talk about men. We don't even talk about, um, not even what we love about men, but we don't really talk about how, we don't talk about how to treat men. Like, you know, like there's, there's this mentality in society that it's not okay, um, to hit a woman, that this is how you're supposed to treat a woman. These are the expectations that a woman has. And I, and, and they're very clearly laid out to, to young boys, and they're clearly laid out to men, but I don't necessarily think that they're clearly laid out to women. In, in the culture that we live in today, I think back in the day when women like stayed home, it was like, oh, you're supposed to be this perfect homemaker, you're supposed to cook, you're supposed to clean and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I don't necessarily think that that, uh, perspective has evolved in any sort of way. And we don't really talk about, talk about it. And and even in, in our culture, what I mean is that we don't really talk about men ever. When we talk about, uh, domestic violence, when we talk about human trafficking, when we talk about, um, issues of sexual assault, like men are such a small portion of that. Um, I think that there are corrections being made in our society today. That's why I said like this book was written a while ago. I think there are some corrections, but they are so, so not uh, to the level at which they need to be, unfortunate. Um, I think that that's really sad, but you know, it is what it is. And I, and um that continues to be a theme within the book. And it's something that I have been thinking more about uh, in my work and just like in my life in general, how often, um, you know, we talk a lot about like in movies or pornography, it's very much from the male gaze. Um, But and and it's not even to say that society treats women super well and stuff like that, which I think this book kind of like, in my opinion, kind of sheds a little bit of light on on uh, how it is that you're in a patriarchal culture, but the focus is always on helping women, giving women spaces to like vent about 
how it is that they're feeling. Granted, those spaces had to be made, those spaces had to be pushed for and uh, wanted, but I'm just putting that um, out there. Um, and some of the other things I said, it seems like uh, this is expressing a very abusive situation. So like in the beginning of this book, I felt like this uh, male violence to me was very just like what they were talking about, what masculinity was to me is very just like, this is very abusive. Like, I don't, I don't, that's not the masculinity. That's not the way that I define masculinity, which is what I was talking about before. Like when people use words um, versus how I interpret what it is that they're saying. Like to me, when you're talking about somebody like putting hands on somebody, like I don't feel that that, I don't feel like violence is masculinity to me. I understand the association between the two. But when I think about what a man is or what it means to be a man, that is not um, the first thing that comes to comes through in my head. And part of that just has to do with my upbringing. Part of that has to do with my culture. There's, there's a lot of things that go into play with this. And this, this is another reason why I went into this book, because this is still the preface, uh, with a very skewed perspective, because I was just like, okay, what you're describing to me is just like, okay, these people need help. These people are sick. I don't know what's going on with them. Like, I can't help them. Um, and then I was talking about how men express emotions differently. Um, and I think that that's true. And I, I think sometimes the perspective is very narrow because, you know, especially when you're a woman, I'm not in a man's body. So I don't, I don't fully understand the emotions. And later on in this book, you know, it talks about that um, upbringing of a man and how maybe that impacts the way that they express emotion. Um, I don't think that I think that that's a it's very general. Um, this book to me is very uh, wide and shallow just because it doesn't deal with specific populations because culture is a huge factor to me in the way that um, masculinity is portrayed and what it is that that looks like and it's different for every family family unit. Um, I had this conversation with my cousin not even like we talk about it all the time like we are a very matriarchal family um, and so for me I just don't like what a man is to me is so different because all the men in my family, the women have, I guess, like super big um, outgoing personalities, if you want to if you want to even call it that. But um, oh, this is super good because uh, my partner, he loves the scene in uh, Black Panther where um Oh, I can't think of the two characters' names, but um, they're getting ready to fight. And then the guy goes, would you really, you know, fight and kill me? And she says, for Wakanda, I would do anything or something like that. And I feel like, and, and he just gets down on his knees and he's like, I, you know, I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to kill you. Um, and so that is... More so, I guess, in, in my mind, the culture that I grew up in, just like what I see around me, it's a very matriarchal culture. So um, once again, my perspective on like what it means to be a man 
um, is different. I always think about, you know, there's that saying that a man is, a man is the head, but the woman is the neck. And so like, that's just how I view things, but And um, another thing is that if men change, women also have to change. Um, This might have been, once again, my light uh, to see that this book wasn't going to be as insane as I thought. But um, that is another overarching theme throughout this book is that uh, if men change, women also have to change. So our, our perspectives also have to change. We we want and are asking a lot of men, but at the same time, are we willing to change certain things about ourselves and certain things that we do to fit in what it is that we're trying to see in men to affirm what it is that we want to see in men? And I did say that I also put in this like so many times that I say this book seems really dated. This book seems really dated. But anyways, it was written in 2004. Um, Bell Hooks, not uh, the pseudonym of the writer, was written in 2004. What was, oh, I should say, was born in 1952 and died in 2021. Um but I ended up really loving this book, so, you know, plus side there. Um, it does, in the first, in the beginning part, it kind of talks about contemporary feminism and the, oh, uh, well, I guess I'll, I'll read this. Um, the male bashing was, the male bashing was so intense when contemporary feminism first surfaced more than 30 years ago was in part the rageful cover-up of the shame women felt not because men refused to share their power but because we could not seduce cajole or entice men to share their emotions to love us um I never really thought about that. Um, and this this book was also really, like, controversial because we're living in a time where, like, what is, like, once again, like, there are people who call themselves a feminist, but it's like, are you a feminist? What does feminism mean? Um, but I, I do love adding in this historical historical perspective of, like, what does it mean to be a contemporary feminist? What does it mean to be a radical feminist? Um, what does it mean to be an evolutionary, uh, uh, a visionary feminist? I mean, um, those are very complex topics. And also thinking about like how this translates into our society today. I also like there were some points where I was like, how does uh, this translate to the black family? Because there were certain things that I felt like, you know, this is that there are things like culturally that this would not apply to. And like I said, this book to me seems very uh, wide and shallow. Um, But I do love the whole idea of like looking at masculinity as a whole, which I think this book does very well it's kind of to me an ethnography in a way because there's a lot of uh 
quotes of different uh, books and stuff like that. It also made me think about the lack of fathers in the home and like being present, but also when the father is present, um, that there was this certain type of way that a father was like, they're very hard. They're very like, in certain ways, like uncaring, unable, you're unable to get close to them. And later on in the book, it even talks about like, you know, like that connection with your father and how young people um, starve for the loves of their fathers, because that's the person who they're kind of just like deprived of that love. Like, you know, your mom loves you unconditionally, but do you know your father loves you unconditionally? Um, and it also really made me think about what is a real man, quote unquote, what does that look like? And I don't, and, and like I said, like this also for me has to do with like, you know, my, my own upbringing, like what is, what does a real man look like? And is what I'm thinking of what a real man is, what society thinks of as a real man, and how does that translate into all the relationships that I have with men? How does that translate into my relationship with a brother? How does that translate into my relationship with my father? How does that translate into my relationship with uh, my lover or, you know, uh, my f- my male friends? Like, what does that relationship look like? And and obviously, like, I'm, I'm a grown woman uh, now. So what does that look like when I am trying to surround myself with what I believe are real men and good men? And, and I think that, that that idea of, like, what a real man is also, to me, has some, like, homophobic uh, tendencies, which I think that they're what I would define as real men has nothing to do necessarily with sexuality, but I know that that's something that probably comes up for men or especially men in the homosexual community who get put with like, well, you're not a real man. Real men don't sleep with men, all this kind of stuff um, that are, you know, that, that whole idea to me is completely ridiculous, but enough said on that. Um, She, oh, now we're in chapter one, by the way. Um, But she does talk about like, you know, her relationship, her relationships with men and just even talking to her own, her own lovers. And uh, when you like, uh, there's this really good quote that I did like, it's like when asked to link the I love you words to a definition and practice. She's talking about her relationship with another man and how often us ladies, I'm just going to be real. And I think we have to be real about this is how often do we say like, why do you love me? Like what, a you know, like trying to get like, what does that mean to you? And how do you do this in our everyday lives? And why do you feel this way about me? You know, just trying to get the man in our, the men in our lives to expand on this. Um, and I keep putting this in a, a more like relation relationship perspective, just because I, I, I don't know, I think it's just easier, but also just like, cause we generally, that's the only time we say it, at least, uh, for this quote that I'm referencing, the only time that we ask a man, like, why do you love me? 
tell me how you do this and stuff like that is in our relationships. We don't say that. I'm, I, I don't ever go up to my brother when my brother says, I love you. Am I like, um, but why do you love me though? And how do you do, how do you show me that you love me? I never am asking that. I don't ask that of my father. I don't ask that of my male friends. Um, I typically am only asking that of uh, the person that I'm choosing to be with at at that point. You know what I mean? And we're in a relationship where we feel like we can say, I love you to each other. And that's the only time that I ask. Um, But I think uh, later on in this book, like I was saying, it's just like, you realize like you're you're asking somebody something that they've never been required they've never been required to expand they know that you want to hear this and and that's what they're giving you but but the answer you want is not necessarily the answer that you're going to get um i think a lot of people have criticized relationship gurus i'm going to call them i don't i don't know what else to call them i don't know relationship gurus or people who do relationship things. I I don't know uh, what to call them. But uh, they often criticize them. Because they're like, you know, like what, you know, even when we tell the even when the male tells the truth, we as women don't necessarily uh, take that in. And we don't necessarily accept it uh, when it is told to us. And also, uh, going back to that, the definitions and stuff like that, men and, and those people out there who are relationship gurus, it's like men are visual people. So like, you know, nobody wants to hear I love you because, you know, you look a certain type of way, you know, like as, as women, we want to, you know, we want you to dive deep, uh, about it and, and tell us some shit that we don't even that we haven't even thought of ourselves, which is really hard because we're very relational people. We're very relational. So, so it's, I don't know, it's, it's in some ways, it's a disappointment. And, and I, and it made me really appreciate also like the, the title of this book, The Will to Change Men, Masculinity and Love. And I, and I like how at the end, it really focused on women and what it is that we need to do to change in order to get what it is that we want And um, it also made me think about women need to kind of make up their minds like you do you want a guy who's willing to tell you his feelings? If that's what you want, that's super great. But then you know, don't don't all of a sudden friend zone this guy because he you asked him a question and then he really told you how you how he felt. And then now you're like, well, you're not really that sexy anymore. I think we also have to be be honest with ourselves that there is something really attractive about um, you know, that, that masculine figure that you see, you know, in movies or what reading those reading smut books, or, you know, there's a reason that uh, 50 Shades of Grey and 36 Days or whatever on Netflix, Netflix is popular, because there is something sexy about um, that masculine man. And, And I say that because like, that's just, I don't know. I don't know a better way to describe it, but there are certain things about that relationship, those relationships too, that I find like, okay, like, is that really okay? 
um, you know, because I'm a very like, let's have a partnership kind of person. But there's something sexy about that. You know, the guy who like is telling you like what it is that you're about to do and all this kind of stuff that that we that as women, we like that we crave that we want to to kind of like be not in control or whatever. So I think part of that too is women, we have to be honest with ourselves about that. And we have to be willing to make some changes. I'm gonna just say that we need to be willing to make some changes and be honest with ourselves about like everything that you want to see from a man. If you want him to be this emotional person, you can't all of a sudden be like, well, now you're not attracted to me anymore because we love the thrill of the chase of trying to figure out what what the why you love me and what the definition and how it is that you're you know showing me that you love me um i think that that's something that's very just i don't know it's 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 it sounds totally ridiculous that you know it's like do we really enjoy the chase of that why can't we accept when men are trying to really tell us their feelings even if we don't necessarily agree with it because if a guy does does say oh i like that you do this thing this thing that i like oh, I like that you cook every day or I like that you look a certain type of way or that you do this thing in bed, you know, like, because men are very visual people. I like this thing about your face. Like they, they're not, they generally are not diving deep into your personality. I think part of that has changed, but it's, it's something that's going to change over time. And we have to be honest with ourselves about whether or not we really can fully embrace that change and how far we're willing to go down this train because there's like it's there's always this constant criticism of 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 toxic masculinity but in in our own way as women we're not acknowledging the fact that we are feeding into it we are feeding into this patriarchal culture that we quote unquote quote quote unquote hate so much but also want the power that the patriarchal culture is giving to us all right. Um, another, there are two quotes I'm going to read. It's, uh, m- many women cannot hear male pain about love because it sounds like an indictment of the female failure. Since sexist norms have taught us that loving is our task whether in our role as mothers or lovers or friends, if men say they are not loved, then we are at fault. We are to blame. And I was like, this is a revelation. This was one thing that I, in the beginning of the book that I was like, this is kind of a revelation. I wasn't fully on board with it, but later on in the book, I really just like, oh my gosh. I dived deep into this and I was just like, oh my goodness, like this really is how I feel in certain ways or like I can find this totally uh, relatable and it made me really think about like love languages um, that and it's something that I was even talking to my cousin about that it's something that we are just starting to really talk about something that we just started really diving into. But in this, I'm like, well, why do we expect that, you know, this other person that we're with to have the same, some same love language as us? Like the way that I feel love 
is not from, you know, physical touch, but there's people out there who do feel that way. Like, like my partner really likes touching and I'm just like, Oh, like, why do you need to touch? Like, I'm always telling him like, you weren't loved enough as a, as a kid. Like, I don't know what's wrong with you. Like, you should really, I don't know, like work on that. You should do some, I don't know. But it's, but I had to, you know, as we've been together, I've had to change that. I've had to be like, okay, I have to give this person what it is that they're asking me for, even though I think it's ridiculous. Because like, why do I have to touch you to know that I love you? Why do we need to hold hands? Why do we need to do all this? Like, you can be across the room and I can still, I can still feel the love. Um, but I, but I thought that it was really interesting that it, even when men start to talk about their feelings, like, you know, like they'll say this about like the conversations that they have with women, they'll be like, Oh my gosh, why do you blah, blah, blah. We're constantly cutting them off or when they are trying to share their opinion or perspective, because it's like, they're taking too long in our minds. But we're, we are so much more social and so much more, um, introspective I think in certain ways it, it, it's like the what is it where where people are like well men get on the train and they like spread their legs and they take up all this space um in certain ways we are taught to like bring everything inward so we are taught to be more introspective than men so I think sometimes it takes them a little bit longer to digest, but we are just uh, I, I'm gonna speak for myself in this I'm not very patient I'm very much like why blah, blah 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 and then it like if I have to wait like two seconds and, and I'm already hot I'm not feeling any sort of uh let's keep talking about this all right I I do think that men and women should be partners in whatever it is that we're doing even in this even in this will to change that we have that we are experiencing in society that we have to be partners in it that it's not about um one person dominating over over each other and i think it's not so much about getting over the the patriarchal culture i think it's about getting over domination culture and we associate and put those those things together. And I think that's where you do get that sort of militant, man-hating, um, contemporary uh, feminism, I guess, is, the, is that's where it, where it comes from. We have associated uh, this, dominate, this dominating culture with patriarchy that we then associate with men, and then it just devolves from there so it all comes back to it's men's fault when it's really like is that um necessarily the case I don't know I don't have the answer for that but I do think that men and women have to be partners in whatever it is that we do I think us as people on earth regardless of whether or not you identify with the binary we have to be conscious of the fact that we all need to be partners in the things that we want to see and some of the things we we may not ourselves want to see but as long as it's not infringing on uh what it is that we want to do there's nothing wrong with it um and that there is this connection between 
fear and love. Uh, like I, like I was saying about commitment, commitment doesn't exist without fear. You know what I mean? Like nobody, I don't know. I mean, I would like to meet the person who walked down the aisle and was like, Ooh, yeah, I know that all this stuff is going to be good. We're going to have this great life together. I think that fear is always associated with love because you're giving something up. You're, you know, changing your, um, giving things, no, I don't even want to say giving things up, but you're totally giving yourself over to another person. And that is a very, um, complicated place to be, you know, like, oh my gosh, what if it doesn't work out? And also, to be honest, it's like, oh my God, one dick for the rest of my life. What? One vagina, one, you know, like no more one night stands, no more tender, no more bumble, you know. Um, you are giving up a lot, but you're also gaining a lot, you know, like you're gaining a life partner, you know, and relationships aren't and don't have to look as traditional as they did a long time ago. They can look however you want them to you know, um, which is, you know, a really, it's a really beautiful thing, I think, very beautiful, is that, that a relationship can be whatever you want it to be, but to say that you're, there's no fear, I mean, even entering into a friendship, there's fear, because the more you share with somebody, the more ability they have to potentially cut you down at the knees, um, in certain ways. All right. And uh, one of the things that talk that uh, is talked about in this book is about uh, teasing and taunting that uh, men do. She's she talks about her her father and fathers in general. And also, you know, a lot of different um, men in the book give examples of you know, the things that their fathers used to say to them. But she says, when he was home, his favorite way of relating was to tease and taunt his son mercilessly. In a bit, in a uh, biting full voice of sarcasm and contempt, a voice that could humiliate with just a word. Um, I don't know. I found this very complex personally because I don't know, in my family, we do use a lot of, uh, sarcasm and, and it's just, you know, it's just how we express love to each other. I don't know whether or not that's a good thing, whether or not that's a positive thing, but it works for us. And this is once again, like understanding somebody's love language. So there's not much I can say about that. And I don't know, it also made me think about, isn't it a father's job to prepare you for life, like outside of the home? And I'm going to leave it right there, like halfway through chapter one. But um, yeah, I'm just going to keep going with this book. Hopefully, I've been doing this for a minute. So I'm like, okay, I have to cut it off. But I will continue to give my revelations about The Will to Change Men, Masculinity, and Love by Bell Hooks. 
thank you for your time and I will give a full update on everything that I've been up to and all that kind of stuff at a different time. All right. Bye-bye.